beautiful evening to all of you. Can you say to the person beside you, I may not be perfect, but I can become better and better by the grace of God. One more thing, can you say to the person beside you, you are God's masterpiece of grace in the making. And God is not finished with you yet. Okay? You know, as men, our biggest struggle in life is how to face failure. And whether we admit it or not, we do experience failure from the smaller ones, sometimes to the big and major ones, like a failure in marriage or a failure in your particular work. Okay? How many of you have experienced a major failure in your life? Can you raise your hands, please? Okay, look around you. That means you're not alone. <laughs> okay? You know, as men, because we were designed to be per primarily performance-oriented beings, our greatest uh, struggle really is uh, to experience failure. And we fail because, number one, we're not perfect. We fail, number two, because the world around us is not perfect. And thirdly, we fail because we recognize that there are attitudes in our lives that sometimes contribute to our failures. Tonight, we're going to take a look at one of those attitudes as we look at the topic, failing forward, growing through failure, okay? Okay, first of all, can we read this together? It is not failure that hurts us, it is our attitude towards it, okay? So sometimes we think, uh, you know, uh, the bad thing is that I failed. And either we give up or we allow ourselves to be so discouraged that we begin to make the wrong decisions in our life. And sometimes as men, that happens to us, right? Sometimes in the midst of failure, we are led to make certain decisions that sometimes can be regrettable. And that's why we need to understand it's not really failure that hurts us, rather our attitude towards it that really hurts us, okay? The main difference between people who achieve and those who do not is how they respond to and handle failure. We are all aware that the most successful men in the world are men who have failed more than the others and therefore were able to learn more. That's why they were able to move forward ahead of their generation. Okay? You will discover tonight that failure is one of life's greatest mentors for success and we will understand that tonight. We need to experience a level of failure to help us see where we need to improve, who we really are, and what we were meant to become. Okay? That is why it's very important for us to recognize that if we want to, be, to ultimately succeed in life, we have to learn how to respond to and handle failure because it will come. It always comes. Okay? A wrong response would be, I'll never do that again. How many of you said that before when you failed? <laughs> okay, now look around you, okay? You're not alone again, okay? I'll never do that again, you know? Very embarrassing. It could be potentially life-changing if there's a major failure in your life and you don't want ever to do that again, okay? Or sometimes you'll say, it's over for me. How many of you said that once? It's over for me. Especially when you face one of the worst failures of a man, which is a marriage failure. Okay? You'll talk more about that. You see, the greatest mistake in the life of a man is not to fail. The greatest mistake is to quit. Okay? So long as you're not quitting, you have every potential to succeed in life. And repeat that. So long as you're not quitting, you have every potential to succeed in life. Okay? Another thing, can we read this together? You will never know how far you can go until you go far enough. If you give up easily, you won't go far enough. But if you never give up, you keep on trying and trying, learning from your mistakes and moving forward, do it over again and again and again, you'll soon find out how far you can go. Okay? Can you say to the person beside you, do you know how far you can go? Oh, that's important to know, okay? Because you have to discover what potentials God put into you and those potentials will never shine out until you're willing to go far enough, okay? Somebody said the law of the stretch. You will never know what you're fully capable of doing 
until you're willing to stretch yourself to the limit. You will never know what you're capable, fully capable of doing until you stretch yourself to the limit. Okay? Lessons from the one of history's greatest achievers. You know Thomas Alva Edison. Right? What is he known for? Incandescent light bulb. Okay. Thomas Alva Edison was not the one who invented the incandescent light bulb. He was the one who perfected it. There were many scientists who were experimenting, experimenting with artificial light, and they were right, looking for the right filament that will burn brighter and longer. But most of the filaments that were you know, developed during his time burned too short and too, the light's not so bright. It was Thomas Alva Edison who perfected the development of electric light bulb. He finally found a filament that burned brighter than all the others and longer. And thanks to Thomas Alva Edison, we now have artificial light in the night. Without him, we won't have this, right? So are we thankful for his perseverance? Okay. He also was the one who developed the phonograph, right? Now we don't have phonographs now. You have CDs, right? But he was the one who invented the phonograph. Another thing, we won't have movie houses today without Thomas Alva Edison because he was the one who invented the motion picture camera. Thomas L. Edison had more than 1,000 patented inventions. One, more than 1,000. He's a genius, okay? He actually started the technological revolution that we know today. And the interesting thing, Thomas L. Edison succeeded in doing this despite his hearing impairment. While he was a child, he went through scarlet fever, uh, scarlet fever and he had an accident that affected his hearing. By the time he was a teenager, he, could, he was almost totally deaf. And so by the time he has been inventing and developing these technological uh, uh, things that brought us to the technological, technological revolution of our days, he was already almost totally deaf. But in spite of the handicap, it did not stop him from becoming one of the world's greatest inventors, right? How many of you have a handicap in your life that you feel is going to limit you from fulfilling your dreams in life? Anybody with handicaps here? Okay, good. Well, this is one man with a handicap. His handicap, he did not allow it to limit what he can do. Okay? It could have made him feel like a failure. You know, if you're totally deaf, you know, you know what can I do in the world? Well, this almost deaf person uh, contributed so much to modern life that without his perseverance, we would not be where we are. He experienced 1,000 failed experiments before he finally discovered the right filament for the incandescent light bulb. Okay? During his 200th failure, a fellow scientist visited him and asked him, Mr. Edison, you have failed 200 times in this theory of yours of finding a filament that will burn brighter and longer. Aren't you giving up? I mean, you failed 200 times. To that, Thomas Alva Edison gave his famous reply. He said, I do not call that failure. I call that education. I discovered 200 things that do not work. One day, I will discover the one that will work. And according to one of his biographers, he discovered the right filament on the 1,000th experiment. You see, there are many versions of the story of Thomas Alva Edison but Thomas Alma Edison was also uh, recorded to have said, I did not fail. I just discovered 10,000 things. Okay, we'll see that in a while. Okay? Does that encourage you? 200 failures is not giving up. Why? That's not failure. I call it education. I'm learning a lot of things through these failures. One day I'll discover the one that will work. Okay? Here are some famous words of wisdom from Thomas Alva Edison for those of us struggling with failure. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. There so many could have changed history. So many could have changed their lives if only they didn't give up. You understand that? Another thing is said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. You failed. One more time. Failed again. One more time. Failed again. One more time. Failed again. One more time. A thousand of those decisions. 
And finally, he changed the world forever. How many of us men have fallen short of our potential to have changed so many things in this world and even in our lives just because we decided to give up? Okay? Another words of wisdom from Thomas Alva Edison. Just because something doesn't do what you planned it to do doesn't mean it's useless. Because you can learn something from it. Okay? I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that, don't, that won't work. How many times have you failed? <laughs> Trying to find the one that works, right? Even in marriage, never give up. You know, Albert Einstein who said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Albert Einstein said, that's insanity. So what did he say? Insanity means doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So what is he trying to say? What is he trying to say? If one way doesn't work, change it. Try another way. Doesn't work. Try another way. Don't stick just to one method. Be creative in finding new solutions to the problems. Even in your marriage, don't give up. If one way doesn't work, find another way. And one way you could discover other ways is to consult the experts. Attend seminars related to that area of your life where you are failing and learn how to do it better. So long as you're alive, there's always something new to discover. So long as you're not giving up, you will find another way to solve the problem. You understand that? There's not one way in solving the problems in the world. There are many ways. Okay? Another word of wisdom from Thomas Alva Edison. Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. <laughs> One reason why men give up is because they have become lazy. <laughs> Let me repeat that. One reason why men give up after a, a series of failures is because they're too lazy to finish the job. Okay? Remember, if you're going to be successful, it means 99% perspiration. You have to work hard. Even in marriage, you have to work hard to make it work. And you need to consult others to help you make it work. Okay? The three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are, number one, hard work. Second, stick to evenness. Don't give up. Okay? Third, lots of common sense. Why? Because you better listen to your failures. It's going to teach you a lot of common sense. It's going to teach you what's wrong and where you can improve. Okay? Lots of common sense. This comes from a great achiever who has changed the world forever technologically. Okay? He said, negative results are just what I want. Do you like that? Do you like negative results? <laughs> but you know an achiever one who's committed to change things negative results are welcome why? they're just as valuable to me as positive results I can never find the thing that does the job best until I find the ones that don't one approach may I work for one but not for another you have to explore other ways to make it work okay and one day if you don't give up you know learning from the mistakes you'll be able to succeed okay he also said when you have exhausted all possibilities many of us and uh, you know when when I counsel men who's having the problems in their marriage especially men who are you know committing infidelity they always say you know pastor I tried everything in my marriage. I tried everything. It didn't work. Well, listen to what Thomas Edison will say to you. When you have exhausted all possibilities, remember this, you haven't. And I always tell this man, 
You can never say you've tried everything because you're not yet succeeding. Because if you tried everything, now you should be succeeding. Did you get that? If you really tried everything possible, you should be successful by now. Because you'll surely find the right path to make it work. But if you say, oh, I tried everything, it never worked, that means you haven't tried everything yet. Every problem already has a solution in God's mind. There is no problem on earth that cannot be solved. Because every problem is a challenge for you to discover the potentials that God has given you to overcome the challenge. Okay? So can you say to the person beside you, you can never say, you've tried everything possible if you're still not successful. Because if you did, you would be successful now. Okay, remember that principle. Okay? You know, failure is one of life's, in fact, to me, the best mentor for success. Let me reshare this with you. Failure is one of life's major mentors towards success. It acts as a mirror. How many of you look in the mirror every morning when you comb your hair? Okay. You should be sure because when you go out, others will be your mirror and they may not like what they see in you. <laughs> okay? Failure acts as a mirror to show us where we need to improve to ensure real success later on. How many of you are afraid to look at a mirror? Especially when you know you have a lot of blemishes on your face. You look ugly. <laughs> but how can you remove the blemishes until you see where they are? You need a mirror. And I tell you, the best mirror in life are your failures. They show you who you really are. They show you areas in your life where you need to improve. Okay? They act as a mirror to show us where we need to improve to ensure real success later on. Every failure invites you to take a deeper look at yourself. The problem with us men, we're always scared to look deeper into ourselves because we're scared of what we will find. Right? You begin to find, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so weak in this area. Oh, I'm not competent in this area. I am a failure in this area. We're so afraid. How many of you don't like to consult doctors when you feel sick? <laughs> you ask yourself, why? <laughs> I know people who don't want to go to any doctor even already have all the symptoms of an illness because they're scared to know <laughs> what's, what's wrong in, in your body. I may have cancer. I don't want to know I have cancer, you know. <laughs> Because if I know what my problem is, the more I'll not enjoy life. So these people say, I don't, I don't have to consult doctors. If I die, I die. But maybe if you consult a doctor, you may live longer. Okay? We're afraid to see the truth about ourselves. And I tell you, as men, that's why we often are dishonest and we're often in denial. Because when people begin to corner us, and people say something that we know is true about us, it's very difficult to admit it, right? Because the greatest challenge for a man is to face the truth about himself. And many men chicken out when it comes to facing that biggest challenge in their life. To admit that we're wrong, to admit that we have areas of failure, to admit that I'm the one who needs to change, right? We're scared of that. And that is why every failure is designed to help you take a deeper look at yourself. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. Okay? To enable you to see the blemishes you need to deal with in the journey of becoming a better person. You know, every failure can make you bitter. Bitter about yourself, bitter about others, or even bitter about God. Right? Why? Because you are afraid to take a deeper look at yourself and discover you're the one who's wrong. Not God, not others, but you're the one in the wrong. And I tell you, it takes a real man to face his own failures. It takes a real man to be responsible for his mistakes. Okay? That's where our manhood is tested. Jim Rohn said, a little introduction. You know, my, my, my brother and I, before we became 
pastors. My brother also became a pastor. I became a pastor ahead of my brother. We were both seminarians, Catholic seminarians before. Both of us were studying for the priesthood. But God had different plans for us. And so we left the seminary for different reasons. And later on, God called us to the full-time ministry in another sphere of God's work. And we were reading a lot of books of success while we were young. My brother was the one who introduced me to this uh, literature on success. I started to gobble up books. You know, we, I built a huge library on success. Napoleon Hill, name every author of success, we had it. And when I heard Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn is one of America's most sought after, most respected business consultants and motivational gurus. When Jim Rohn made this statement many years ago, and I heard it, I was so stunned, you know. When I analyzed his words, you know, he just gave us a summary in just one sentence of the entire science of success. Do you want to be successful? You don't need to spend hundreds and thousands of pesos to know the secret of success. Jim Rohn already delivered it in just one sentence. And I was so amazed how he was able to summarize everything I've studied and my brother in just one sentence. This is, is what he said. Success is not something to be pursued. This is where everybody is wrong. It is attracted by the person that you become. The goal should not be to succeed. Because if your only goal is success, you will do everything necessary to get to your goal, right? And that includes making some moral compromises here and there, stepping on some people here and there, doing, you know, unfair things here and there, because your number one goal is to succeed. And you'll do everything to make that happen, right? But you see, the compromises we commit along the way in our desire to succeed, later on backfire against us after we have reached the top. These compromises later on will haunt you from the past. People you've stepped on, you know, moral compromises you made now are being exposed. Those who don't like you, who hate you, will find every reason to bring you down. They will expose every mistake you made that will ultimately discredit you. You understand this? Real success is enduring success. If your success doesn't endure, it's just an experience of a moment. Real success is enduring success. How many of you have heard of Henry Ford? Is Henry Ford still successful today even though he was been dead decades ago? Is he still successful today? Ford Motors. I just rode a Ford uh, Everest going to Marawi with my family. I said, wow, high tech. Ford is still alive. <laughs> okay. And listen to this. The enduring success, real success, is success that outlives the person. That's why when people ask me, Pastor, or you know, some call me mentor, can you recommend to us books that are really uh, good books on success? I said, if you want to really find the right books on success, don't buy books that were written by people who are still alive. Because those truths are still being tested. Look for the books written by men who have already died many years ago and yet their success lives on. You can be sure those principles work. It has been tested by time. Do you understand that? Okay? And the best book on success is no other than the Bible. This book has changed literally millions of lives around the world. Okay? Because the Bible is a character based book. And character is important to your success. Okay? So, in other words, if success is your goal, you may get to the top. But the question is, will you be able to remain on the top? Ability can bring you to the top, but it takes a lot of character to keep you there. 
Because when you're on the top, when you feel like a God, you'll be exposed to every form of temptation that will invite you to your ruin. David, the King David, after successive successes, military successes against his enemies, at the height of his career, when he was most successful, it was at that moment that he fell into murder and adultery because of Bathsheba, at the height of his career. Okay? Why? Because success is not the goal. So what is the goal? The goal should be excellence. The better you become, the more successful you become. Success is attracted by the person that you become. Don't focus on trying to be successful. Focus on becoming as excellent as you can be in your ability, in your moral character, in your relationships with people, in your capacity to move forward despite obstacles and hindrances. If you develop excellence in ability, character, and vision, you'll be able to attain to success that endures. Why? Because success is attracted by the person that you become. Success is just a byproduct of excellence. Enduring success is just a byproduct of excellence. Understand that? Okay? That is why welcome failure. Because failure invites you to discover what you need to improve in yourself so you become a better person. And the better person you become, the more successful you will be. That's only true in your work, it's also true in your marriage. You always think that our wife is the problem. Every time your wife nags you, you're looking at a mirror. Now some of those naggings may be extreme and exaggerated. Yes, I agree. <laughs> But you need to listen because some of those things that your wife is telling you may be indeed true about you. And those are areas where you need to grow and improve to become a better husband so you'll have a happier wife. The key to making, making your wife happy and have a successful marriage is not that your wife will change. The key to a successful marriage is when you begin to change for the better. And develop yourself in the, the qualities that you need to really give assurance to your wife that you truly love her. You understand that? Many times we pray the wrong prayers. God, change him. I'm having a hard time. Lord, change that person. Lord, it's really, you know, a, uh, you know, a struggle for me. Lord, change my situation. Lord, I cannot stand this anymore. When you pray the wrong prayers, you may not succeed in life. The right prayer should be, Lord, change me so I will learn how to overcome this challenge. Lord, change me so I can be a better husband to my wife. Lord, change me so I can be a better father to my children. You understand that? The key to success in anything in life is that you become a better person and you become better and better because your focus on becoming the best and when you develop excellence in your life I tell you money will never be a problem I always teach in companies from the Exicom, Manco Exicom down to the rank and file in Manila I always teach especially those who are done they're struggling are in the rank and file I always tell them this you know the most important asset that you can have in your life if you want to move forward in your life is that you protect the trust of people in you you might be a janitor but if you can be proven to be completely trustworthy you'll be elevated you understand this the focus is you improve yourself Improve your character. Improve how you relate with people. Learn to develop a positive attitude towards people. Stop talking negative things about people. Look for what you can affirm in people. Because when you develop that ability, when you excel in your ability to relate with people in a positive way, you will not remain where you are. The goal is to become a better person and keep improving yourself. And one day, you'll be surprised money will not be a problem. Why? Because those of the resources are looking for people whom they can trust. 
Because they will not invest thousands and millions of pesos in somebody whom they know is going to make their investment a waste. But if you're the person who will develop excellence in your ability, your moral character, in your relationships with people, you develop excellence in your attitude towards things, I tell you, people will be looking for you. I'm speaking from experience. The goal is never to run for money. You don't make money your goal. If you make money your goal, you'll find yourself compromising along the way to get the money. You'll be using people. You'll be compromising to get, because money is your goal. Make excellence your goal. Because when you become an excellent person, money will run after you. I'm speaking from experience. You understand this? Okay? Excellence. Success is attracted. Can we say that together? Success is attracted by the person that I become. Be a better husband to your wife. Focus on improving yourself instead of trying to improve your wife. That's not your business. Your only business is to improve yourself. How to really love your wife. And I'll tell you, you'll have a great and happy marriage. Okay? Let's take a look at what we can learn from the greatest life changer, Jesus himself. In John 1.42, we find these words. Jesus looked at him, that Simon Peter, and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Which, when translated, is Peter. I want you to know that this one verse carries a lot of tons of dynamite. <laughs> Once you understand what's going on here. Okay? We'll take a look at this verse and see key ideas from Jesus' words. Purpose. Process and person. Okay? Purpose, process, and person. Let's take a look at purpose. You see, when the first time Jesus saw Simon, he did not focus on his weaknesses and the fact that he knew this is the man who one day will deny three times he knew him. Jesus already knew that. You know why? Because in the next story with Nathaniel, Nathaniel cursed the birthplace of Christ. Can anything would come out of Nazareth. And then when they came to Jesus, Jesus said, Behold, a true Israelite, a man of integrity. And Nathaniel said, How did you know me, uh, Rabbi? Before Philip came to you while you were still under the fig tree, I saw you. Which means he heard the entire conversation. That even though he knew now that Jesus knew that he insulted him, yet when he came to Jesus, Jesus affirmed him. Wow, that's powerful. To affirm somebody who insults you? Okay? Jesus already knew Simon Peter. He knew this other man who one day will deny him. But instead of looking at the impending failure of Simon, Jesus focused on his purpose for his life. Okay? He saw the finished product. He had a vision for Simon for what he can become by God's grace. He said, One day you will be called the rock. Peter in Greek, Petros, means the rock. And so what is Jesus saying? Jesus, in effect, is saying this, Simon, you may not know that I know you. In fact, I know your name. You're surprised that I know your name. But I know more than your name. I know one day you're going to prove yourself to be a failure because you'll make a lot of promises to me that you can never keep. You'll be a person whose loyalties are quick to change depending on who is in front of you. I know you are going to be unstable as a person, especially at the time of your greatest test. But you know, Simon, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at my purpose because one day I'm going to make you the opposite of who you are. From an unstable personality, I'm going to make a rock out of you one day. You understand that? Jesus is not focused on who you are today. When the Lord Jesus looks at you, he's focused on what you will become by his grace. And I tell you in the word of God, for those of us who read the Bible, the goal of God is to make you like Christ one day, and God is committed to make that happen. Do you understand that? You see, God has a vision for you, for what you are meant to become. Most of us don't know what God meant us to become, but God knows. And that vision is always in his mind. And I tell you that God is committed to bring you there if you are willing to surrender your life to Him 
and allow him to work in your life. You understand that? You see, when he saw Simon, he did not look at the unfinished product. He saw the finished product and said, one day, you will be called the rock. That's the opposite of your personality today. That's what I'm going to make out of you because of my grace. Do you understand this? Never focus on what you're going through. You know, we become weaker when we focus on what we're going through. We become stronger when we focus on where we're going to. You need to recognize that God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is that one day your life will be used by God to touch many lives. One day God will make you successful. That is his goal for you. That's why when you go through failure, don't allow failure to hinder you because God is not finished with you yet. God has a purpose for your life. As he had a purpose for Simon. Okay? He focused on his potential rather than his weaknesses. Most of us focus where we fail. Oh, I'm so weak like this. No. Focus. Remember, God has given you potentials in your life that God wants you to discover and use. Marami sa atin, madaling maingit, no? When we see others, you know, doing better things than we do. People who are gifted, talented, you know. How many of you get jealous of people like that? Don't be ashamed. You'll be surprised. Look around you. <laughs> That's almost everybody. <laughs> you know, part of the weakness of our manhood, because we long to feel our worth through our performance, you know, experiences of failure can devastate us because we base our worth on our performance as men, right? And experience of success can make us egotistical, proud, and sometimes even arrogant, right? The problem is that when you base your worth on performance, when you see others outperform you, you begin to look down on yourself because you're measuring your worth based on your performance and you're not as good as the person. That's why you get jealous. Why? Because you're basing your worth on the wrong thing. It's not about your performance primarily. Because that performance can change if you're willing to learn what it takes to become a better person. Everybody has their own unique purpose in this world. Don't be jealous of those who are beginning to fulfill their life's purpose. Focus on your purpose. Focus on what God has given you. Focus on the potentials God built into your life. Focus on your strengths. Build on your strengths. And one day, you'll find your own place. It's a waste of energy getting envious of people because they're doing a better job because you can do a much better job if you focus on what you have and build on what you have instead of what you don't have. Do you understand that? That's why focus on potential. Every person has a potential to be great. And if you, Christ is in your life, you have every potential to be truly great because you were meant to become like the greatest leader of all time, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Okay? He saw Simon's impending failure as a necessary part of his purpose for him and to achieving his full potential. Did Jesus allow Simon Peter to fail? Yes, he did. Why? Because it was part and parcel a necessary part of the process to bring him where he was meant to be if he never failed he may not have learned the lessons necessary to be where God wants him to be okay let's take a look at this Luke 22 can you this is what Jesus said to Simon Peter before he was arrested that night Simon Simon Satan has asked to see if all of you are sweet but I have prayed for you Simon that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Is Simon bound to deny Christ? Jesus already predicted it. It's going to happen. Then why did he say, I prayed for you? Prayed for what? He's still going to fail, right? Did Jesus pray that he will not fail? Did Jesus pray that Simon will not fail? No. He just said, you're going to fail. But I prayed for you that your faith, that means even when you fail, Simon, I am praying that your faith will be strong. Because that is not the end. If you have faith, 
what you're going to do, the failure you will commit will just be the beginning of my fulfilling my purpose for you. Does God allow failure? Remember, you can never hold God responsible for your choices. You can say, God, why did you allow me to fail? You made the choice, son. I just did not intervene and stop you from reaping the consequences of your wrong choice. If I allowed you to go through the consequence, why blame me? That's the consequence. Every action, every decision has a consequence. You have to learn that, son. Okay? If I allowed you to fail, it's because you made the choice. But there are times I can stop you from making the wrong choice. Okay? But I can allow and I will allow you to fail because you need to experience that failure so that you will know who you are and what you need. You'll never sense your deep need of me if you're too strong and too confident because you will never see yourself in your true colors until you fail. You understand that? Failure helps you see yourself in a deeper way. And God needs that. So you will know where you will ask God to change you. And until you change, you cannot succeed. You understand that? That's why failure is so crucial to God's work in your life. In failure, God is inviting you to look at yourself and know that you need Him so much to change what you cannot change. That's why I tell people, a fall is a step forward if it brings you to your knees. A fall is a step forward if it brings you to your knees and humbles you. And now that you see where you need to change, you're willing to cry to God, God, change me. And God will say to you, congratulations. That's the purpose of failure. You understand that? Jesus did not pray that Simon will not fail. He prayed that in the midst of his failure, he will still have the faith to turn back to him. And Jesus said, when you have turned back, and I know you will because I'm praying for you that your faith will be strong, even when you fail me, I want you to use that experience to strengthen your brothers. You see, I have a purpose why I'm allowing you to fail, Simon. Because others will be falling and failing like you. And I want them to be encouraged by my grace. Because you will know my grace after you fail. But remember, all those consequences are the result of your choices. But my grace will keep you from complete despair. Because I can lift you up again and give you 70 times 7 chances to start over. That's why Jesus said, don't forgive 7 times, Simon. Forgive 77 times. God is not the God of the second chance. He's the God of 77, 70 times 7 chances. That's the power of God's grace. So long as you learn. Okay? Focusing on where we're going through can make us weaker. Focus on where we're going to. And that's what Jesus is saying, Simon, you're going to fail, but don't focus there. I'm going to pray that your faith will be strong so you'll see where you're going because I'm going to use you to encourage your brothers from your experience. Okay? What Jesus saw in Simon, he had leadership potential because whenever Jesus asks a question, he's always the first to answer. He's always taking leadership all the time. He saw the potential. Number two, he saw his capacity for, capacity for devotion. He was so devoted to Jesus, he was willing to cut off the ear, you know, the servant of the high priest when he was arrested in the garden. Lord, I'm going to strike! You know, so devoted <laughs> to his master. When Jesus said the Son of Man will be crucified in Matthew 16, he said, Lord, this can never happen. I will never allow that to happen to you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> An impulsive person, okay? And thirdly, his willingness to stand for a friend against all odds. Aren't these great assets of Simon Peter? Jesus saw all of this. It's just one look. And he said, that's potential. But Jesus had to work on three things in Simon. Number one, he had to work on his impulsiveness. How many of you tend to be impulsive in your decision and then you regret it later? Come on. 
Okay, thank God. Many are not alone. <laughs> Impulsiveness. Okay? He's so quick to talk, but quick to act on what he said. So quick to talk that he had to be rebuked. Get me behind me, Satan, Jesus said in Matthew 16. He, he said the wrong thing. Okay? Secondly, his fear of man. That night, when he was following Jesus after his arrest, oh, you're one of these disciples. I saw you. You're from Nazareth. You're a Galilean, right? No, I do not know the man. Natakot na sa tao. Fear of man. And thirdly, masyado siyang mayabang sa sarili niya. He's always the one who wants to show to the disciples, I am better. Who the people, the crowd say that I am? Matthew 16, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So I was the first to speak, you know. It's a lot of pride in himself. Lord, even if they desert you, I will never desert you. I'm willing to go to the death for you. Very confident, you know? And then he blew it. <laughs> These were the things that Jesus was going to change in his life. So he attains to his full potential as a leader among the apostles. Are you still here? Okay. The process, number two. Jesus focused on the process by which he will accomplish his purpose. He said to Simon, you will be called the rock. It will take a process. It's not going to happen today, Simon. It will take me three years and more than that to make you what I meant you to be, to become the rock. Okay? It's a process. Can we read this together? The process will take time. He spent three years shaping Simon's character to prepare him to become a strong leader. Failure and pain was part of the process. He allowed Simon to fail and to reap consequences but released him from condemnation. Isn't God great? He's a God of mercy and grace. You see, part of the process of you succeeding in God's purpose for your life is that you go through failure and pain. That's part of the process. <clears throat> okay? Because it is pain that humbles you and failure that shows you where you need to change. All of these are important to your success. Pain as a consequence of failure is intended to humble us. Remember when God first introduced Spain? God introduced Spain in Genesis chapter 3. After he confronted Adam and Eve and said to Adam, In painful toil of the ground you will eat your bread, for you are dust, and to dust you will return one day. He said to the woman, In painful toil you will bring forth your children. He guaranteed that they will experience pain in the most important blessing they have. The woman, the powers of procreation, and the man, as the worker on the ground, the ground will not cooperate with you anymore. I curse the ground because of you. You will have pain. And the purpose why God introduced pain into human experience is that the purpose of pain is redemptive. And me repeat, the purpose of pain is redemptive. The purpose of pain is to humble you and to lead you back to God. How many of you have experienced real painful experiences in your life? Can you raise your hands, please? Okay. There are only two things that pain can do to you, depending on how you respond to the failure or to the next challenge. Pain can either humble you or harden you. If you respond to pain positively and see it as a challenge for you to become a better person, it humbles you. But if you develop resentment and anger against the cause of pain, it will harden you. Remains to, it remains your choice. God meant pain to humble you so you can become a better person. Okay? Pain as a consequence of failure is intended to humble us, to teach us wisdom, and to lead us to change. If you are willing to learn from it, that's the, the condition. If we seek to blame someone else for the failure, it can harden us. If we take responsibility for the failure, it humbles us and leads us to become a better person. It's your choice. Failure can never destroy you until you choose to. Remember, what hurts us most is not failure, but our attitude towards it. Okay? Thirdly, Jesus focused on the person of Simon. Jesus focused on the person rather than on his performance. You are Simon, son of John. That's who you are right now. You will fail me one day, but even in spite of that, I will still value you 
because I'm going to make a rock out of you, despite your failure. You see, being and becoming is the goal of Christ. It's not about your performance. We, we fail God many times, right? You fail God many times. But listen to this. The important thing is that God continues to value you despite your failed performance. Okay? He does not condemn us for our failures. John 3, 16, 18, the Word of God said, For He did not come into the world to condemn the world. Well, people around us love to condemn us, right? It's very ironic that sinners love to condemn fellow sinners. But the sinless one did not come to condemn, but to save. For God, in, he, he did not come in order to condemn us, but to save us. For those who believe in Him, He has given eternal life. But those who do not believe in Him is already condemned. Because they didn't believe in the only Son of God. When you put your trust in Christ, you're released from condemnation because Jesus took your punishment on the cross when He died on Calvary. And if you trust in Him, what He did for you on the cross applies to your life. Therefore, when you trust in Christ as your Savior and receive the fruits of His work on the cross, all your sins are forgiven. All your failures are removed from the book of God. And there is now no condemnation. You understand that because of what Jesus did. You see, we are accepted by God not because of our performance. We are accepted by God because of the finished performance of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And He said, it is finished. There's nothing you can add to it. Amen? Your acceptance is based on that finished performance. Amen? He does not condemn us for our failures because He continues to value you in spite of your failures. Okay? In fact, Jesus values you more than your failed performance despite all moral offenses and failures. He saw us worth dying for. That's why this great verse, Romans 5.8, can we read it together? But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If God measured your value by your performance, there's no way He can save us. Or would He save us? But God chose to see value in you by His grace. Despite our failed performance, that's why He saw us worth sacrificing Jesus for. I'm going to ask you one question. Will you exchange straw for gold? Will you exchange straw for gold? Why not? Why not? Because they have no, no equal value. Right? When God saw you worth exchanging the life of His eternal Son for, what's your worth? What's your worth? Now do you understand how God loved you? Despite our failed performance, God never stopped valuing us. And He equated our worth to the worth of His Son, Jesus Christ. God saw you worth sacrificing the life of Jesus for. That's how much worth you have in God's eyes. Because of His grace, undeserved favor. You understand that? Okay? That's why even when you fail, Jesus continues to value you. There is no rejection when you are already in Christ. When you have Jesus as your Savior, God cannot reject you anymore. Because Jesus offered a finished performance for your sins once and for all time. Amen? That is why don't get discouraged by failures. Because God still loves you. But if we become stubborn, don't worry. He knows how to discipline us because He cares for us. Okay? Sabi ko nga, dalawang klaseng Christians lang pupunta sa langit eh. Yung Christian ng malinis at yung Christian ng maraming bukol. The choice is yours. <laughs> okay? How do we fail forward? How do we go through fear? Here are now practical steps. Number one, 
Take responsibility for your mistake, failure, or offense by facing and accepting the consequences without resentment and without finding fault with others. Every time you try to blame others, even blame God for your failure, you'll never succeed because you're not going to change. Because seeing the problem is out there rather than in here. Every failure is a mirror to show you where you need to change and improve. You understand that? Okay? And so, when you take responsibilities for your failures, you will change. And later on, you will succeed. Take responsibility for the damage you may have caused another and others to bring restitution. You see, if you want to really succeed in life, even if you failed in your marriage and you committed adultery, take responsibility. And once you return back to your wife, focus on giving to your wife what you never gave him before. Love her. Because she deserves that more than that other woman. You understand that? We need also be willing to make restitution. To pay for the wrong we have done. By doing more than you have done before in your marriage. You understand this? Okay? Taking responsibility. Number two, accept what happened. You'll be in a better position to grow from your failure if you're able to accept the consequences of your wrong decisions. Accept what happened and consider it as a learning experience for you to improve as a person. Remember you're still on the journey of becoming. You're God's masterpiece of grace in the making. Okay? Number three, make the most of what you have now or where you are now by focusing on improving your situation by God's grace, rather than mourning over your failure or brooding over the pain. Don't focus on the failure. Don't focus on the pain. Focus on how can you improve your situation now. Because that's what's more important right now. Okay? Next, do your best to improve yourself based on what you have learned from your experience and let those lessons contribute to your success. Where did I fail? Analyze, study. And then, Resolve to change in those areas. Number five, trust God to enable you to become that better person because you're not alone in your journey of becoming. If you have Christ in your life, God is with you all the way to finish what He started in your life. He just needs you to cooperate and work with Him. Trust God to enable you to become that better person and refuse to give up because God's not giving up on you. You have no right to give up. God is not finished with you yet. Have faith and move on. Number six, trust God to cause what happened to work for your good as He promised. You know Romans 8.28, right? And we know that in God, in all things, God works for the good of, of those who love Him. To those who are called according to His purpose. And what is His purpose? It's in the next verse. For those whom He chose beforehand, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. The purpose why God allows you to go through the pains and the sufferings of life, even facing the difficult consequences of your own mistakes and sins, is because God's changing you and He wants you to become like His Son. Every failure is a step forward in God's purpose if you learn from it and you're willing to change. It's a step forward. Learn to forgive yourself and to forgive others as God forgives you and accepts you in Christ. You're not perfect as nobody is, but we can all become better and better by the grace of God. There are times you have to forgive people who somehow contributed to what happened to you. Because if you don't forgive them, you'll forever be bound to the memory of that past offense. You'll find it hard to move forward. Forgiveness releases you more than the other person. Forgiveness benefits you more than the other person. Mark 11:25, Jesus said, when you stand praying, at the moment of prayer, forgive if you hold anything against anyone so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your sins. He didn't say forgive when the person asks forgiveness. No, when you stand praying. Even if the person has not asked for forgiveness, even if the person has not even admitted he hurt you or he offended you, when you stand praying, forgive. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive. Because forgiveness releases you and brings the blessings of God in your life. God will take care of the other person. 
Whether he asks forgiveness or not, whether he repents or not, whether he admits his wrong or not, whether he confesses his offense against you or not, that's not your business. That's his business with God. Your business is to forgive because God wants to release you. Remember, forgiveness, unforgiveness, or bitterness is a poison inside your life. Somebody said, when you don't forgive somebody who hurt you, it's like drinking poison and wishing the other person will die. Get the poison out of your life. Because bitterness, according to the word of God, is sin against God. He who hates his brother, John said, is a murderer. Jesus said in Matthew 5, if you're angry with your brother, you're like a murderer, you'll be liable to the court as a murderer. Get that poison out. Forgive. And let God bless you. Forgiveness is transferring the justice issue into the hands of God. Where you know you will have true justice. And releasing the person from any obligation to you because God will deal with that person at the right time. That's what forgiveness is. Transferring the justice issue to God's hands and trusting God to pay back the damage done to you. God will be the one to pay it back. Do you understand that? That's what forgiveness does. Okay? And learn also to forgive yourself. Stop hating yourself because if you hate yourself, you'll always be hating people. Your attitude to yourself conditions your attitude towards others. If you're able to respect yourself despite your imperfections, you will learn to respect others too despite their imperfections. If you always condemn yourself for every wrong thing you did, you do, you'll always find yourself condemning people for the wrong thing they do. You do unto others as you do to yourself. If God forgives you, you have no right not to forgive yourself. Understand that? Number eight, can we read this together? Make yourself accountable to another and to others. You can never succeed alone. Your failure reveals your weaknesses and you need others to keep you accountable as they help you sustain the motivation to rise up from those weaknesses. Accountability means giving authority to others to help you order your life according to moral and performance standards of excellence. Or in our spiritual language, it is giving authority to others to order your life according to the standards of God's word. Accountability means I will be confessing to you my weaknesses as my brother and as my, my support group. And uh, I'm struggling with this temptation. Can you help me pray? I gave you authority to rebuke me. I gave you authority to check on me every as often as you want to check me if I am fulfilling my commitment to change. I give you the authority even to get angry or rebuke me if necessary. I give you that authority because I'm committed to change and I know I cannot do it alone because I can easily cheat myself anytime. I can deceive myself. But if others are aware of my commitment to change and they're supporting me in that, I'm always motivated to continue the path of change. The most difficult thing in life is to change. But because of the grace of God, if you have Christ in your life, God has given you all the power to change. But God will bring you into the journey together with others so you can encourage and admonish one another in the process of change. You cannot succeed alone. That's why for us who are Christians, God's word says, encourage one another, admonish one another, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another. All those one anothering commands are intended to remind us we are called to accountability with one another in the body of Christ. And it is by maintaining accountability with one another that we can truly change because we're not alone anymore in our commitment to change. You understand this? Are you in accountability with someone or with a group? The reason why we're doing the discussion groups after this, and I'm encouraging you to commit together to be a regular group every time we meet as a man of integrity. How many of you already have a group that you're having regularly every time we have a dinner? Anybody? Okay. I'm going to ask you to make a choice today if that group that you'll be with tonight is going to be your regular group. I know some of you may not be attending next time, but I tell you, let 
the motivation in your life to be a better man be sustained, I invite you to keep coming. And keep yourself open to your small group. Because this is the group that will enable you and give you support to improve where you, need, you feel you need to improve as a person, as a man. It takes another man to understand and support another man. We all have the same challenges, similar challenges. We share similar weaknesses. If there's somebody who can understand you, it's another man like you. And instead of looking down on one another and comparing ourselves to one another, why don't we just help one another? Amen? Amen. Because if you condemn something in others, you're like condemning yourself. Because you're not perfect either. Let's just focus on helping each other. Do you agree? So I would encourage you today, make a choice to be regular with your group every time we meet. And be with the same people. So you can build bonding and confidence and trust in one another. It's good if you're staying with a group that you already know. Okay? That's up to you. You make a choice tonight. Okay? So has this, has this things helped you tonight?